This episode of The Secret Room is brought to you by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter promo code SECRET. Thanks to Warby Parker for supporting The Secret Room. Get boutique-quality, stylish eyewear and sunglasses at revolutionary prices. Try them for yourself by going to warbyparker.com secret to order your free home try-on kit with free shipping all around. Hey, what's your secret? I work for an online retailer and I flirt with my customers to get good survey responses. Ben. Hey, Brittany. I think your secret's all ready to go. Does it work? Okay. Yeah. Okay, ready? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Today, the story of when a YouTube star fell in love. But it's not your typical love story. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Hi, I'm Brittany, and my secret is that I lied about my relationship to my YouTube audience. It was nothing like what I portrayed. You're so good. I told you, professional. (laughs) Amazing delivery. (laughs) Brittany met Milos on a dating app in Los Angeles in 2015. And what evolved from that fateful summer swipe ended in a mystery complicated by love, abuse, international intrigue, and more. There's so much, Ben. (laughs) And what she thought was a great romance took such an uneven turn that she hid the truth from her viewers. Me just putting what happened to me on YouTube would leave me open to legal things. I couldn't risk it. My guest today, Brittany Louise Taylor. You're listening to The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Yes, we're recording, right? Hi, it's Ben. Are, are we all connected now? Hey, it's Brittany. <laughs> Brittany, it is great to hear your voice. <laughs> you too. I have to confess, I really love your channel, and that's that's why you're here. Oh, me too. I've already been a fan of the show, so it was it was exciting to be able to come on and tell my truth. How how many people how many people watch you on YouTube? Um, I think I have 1.2 million subscribers right now, but yeah, I, th- I think that's where it's at. I used to, when I first started, like every time I gained subscribers, I had a list and I would write it down. I'm like, I got 30 subscribers yesterday. And then it gets to a certain point where you're like, oh, when did that video get that many views? Or you just kind of, you know, you, you get so busy with work that, you know, the numbers just feel like monopoly, like they don't feel real. For those who may not know, can you tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel and what goes on there? When I first started out on YouTube, I did a lot of like sketch comedy and music video parodies and DIYs. I get bored, so I'm always like flip flopping. But lately, it's been a lot of vlogs because I'm now a parent and like that's what I have time for. So maybe someday I'll go back to more like high production value. But, you know, I I just as long as I get to keep creating, then that's all I care about. And I just love connecting with people and people from all different like parts of the world and different demographics. And it's just really fun. So you're here to tell a story. Yes. A story that you haven't told your audience. No. And you haven't been able to tell your story until now. 
I am, you have no idea. I have been dying inside a very slow death. So like, I, I like, it's just been torturing me because like, I'm a very like honest person and I'm used to being really open with my audience. So to have to like hide so much has just been really intense. So let's get it out there. Yeah, let's do it. Let's dive in. This, this is basically <laughs> a, a love story gone wrong, right? Gone very, very, very wrong. <laughs> Can, can you tell me a little bit about, about what your love life had been like during the calm before the storm? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I really do think I was kind of a late bloomer. Like in high school, I, you know, there wasn't, I didn't really, I had a few crushes, but I didn't really have a serious boyfriend. And in college, I dated some, but then I dropped out of college and uh, moved to LA because in my heart, I always wanted to act. And I was always obsessed with anything like film, TV, you know, I would go to the movie store here on Tuesdays and like rent out all the dollar DVDs I could and just binge watch things. So I think I lived a lot in like a an alternate reality or I like you know live vicariously through the shows I was watching without like getting any real experience in the romance department myself but you did date yeah I mean I, I you know then I had a you know one boyfriend that lasted a couple years well two and a half years when I was in LA but he was my cameraman so it was kind of you know it, it kind of was a, a relationship of convenience <laughs> so like like you know I you know I cared about him like I, I you know I loved him but I wasn't in love with him so prior to Milos the one that is the topic of this conversation I'd never been in love never in love but life otherwise, how, how was it going? You know, it was weird. Like I had a really cute little house in Highland Park and I, you know, I had money in the bank and I had a lot of work and I realized I'm like, I'm lonely. <laughs> like, you know, I wanted, you know, a partner in crime. Like I wanted someone, you know, to talk about, you know, talk things through and go to the movies with and just have norm, like normalcy in my life. So, and it wasn't, it didn't come like, you know, I was like, what, 31, and it hadn't come naturally. Like, I was working a lot and I didn't meet anyone on set that I really liked. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really go to parties. So I wasn't at bars. I wasn't out where you meet people. So I kind of had to like take things into my own hands and join the online dating, like, <laughs> online dating wave in order to try to find someone. So, so at this point, um, you're one woman looking for love. It's kind of the human condition. Yeah. Did, did the apps work out for you? Oh, yeah. I um. Well, I mean, I tried out a few, but it's weird how like different apps are different in different states. Like, um, like Bumble wasn't really picking up yet. It wasn't very big. Tinder was huge in LA, but it wasn't. Yes, it was like a quote unquote hookup app, but it wasn't like, you know, the there was a lot of people that were finding relationships from it in California when, you know, other states, it's like purely a hookup app. So I was mostly on Tinder when I met Milos. Do you remember when you first saw his profile? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could not like swipe right. Like even looking at his photos, I'm like, oh, you're kind of a douche. But like he had, um, I remember like, I remember vividly like the pictures. He had a photo of him with like a white tank top and like an oar, like like an oar from a boat, like on the, his shoulders and all his muscles are like showing. And then he had another photo of him shirtless, like knifing a grapefruit and smiling in jeans. And then he had like a shot of like a really cute English bulldog puppy, like sleeping on his head. And he had one more photo of him. It looked like on an airplane with like his hoodie up. And, you know, yeah, but like, like three out of the five pictures look like they were professionally shot, like, you know, with a photographer. <laughs> okay, so should, <laughs> so should guys listening uh, be taking notes? I mean, is, is looking a little douchey and having a professional shot, uh, stabbing a grapefruit the way, the way to set up a winning profile? 
<laughs> well, it worked for me. Like, God, I, like, you, you know, I had some hesitation, though, because I'm like, you know, my instincts went, oh, player, like right away. I was like, oh, come on, because like he you can't be that pretty and not know it. <laughs> so like, because like in his description too on Tinder, it said six foot two doctor tennis player from Europe. So it was like like not, when most people go on a li- like a little bit longer, like his was like one sentence with a few commas. And like, you know, he, he wasn't messing around. He was kind of like, you know, I'm hot stuff and I know it. Okay, so you, so you swiped right. I did. I did. Oh my God. And, and so how long did it take for him to get back to you? Like instantly. Like the moment we swiped right, he was messaging me and it, it was kind of in broken English, but it was cute because, you know, I had some forgiveness because like, you know, his English is not his first language. And it was like, hello, my dear. And like all these things. And I was like, my dear, that's really quick. And he asked for my number within minutes of us being on the app. And he's like, I would prefer just to text you. And I thought, well, you know, what's the worst case scenario? I can just block him like, if he turns out being really weird. Like, why not? So I gave him my number and then within like 10 minutes of giving him my number he was texting me and then from there on out he was pretty consistent texting me like every day like that week because I remember I met him like earlier in the week and then we had plans to do something that Sunday and then Sunday came and went and he never contacted me like I wasn't going to follow up like Saturday and be like hey like you know I learned really quickly that like you know men they're still base instincts like they want to pursue and you need to let them pursue even though it drives me crazy at first like there is like a a courtship dance that goes on so did, did you find did you find the attention flattering uh, flattering but also like I kept thinking like is he like you know is it a cultural thing like is he just like you know really bold and he really likes what he sees is he crazy like why why because he did come on pretty strong pretty fast did, did you meet up with him pretty quickly yeah, well, yeah, we, we finally, it was, then what happened is he had, like, then two weeks went by from when we were supposed to hang out, and then he contacted me out of the blue and said, you know, you know, we should go do something, and it was at night, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry, like, we had plans, you blew me off, you know, I'm done, and he's like, no, please, give me another chance, so he kept being persistent, and we finally went out to coffee on our first date and it was really strange because like I had extreme anxiety like before even meeting him and even on the date like it didn't rationalize because one he was the most beautiful man I'd ever seen in my life like like he literally could have been Chris Hemsworth like body double like I cannot even tell you how ripped he was and just I mean not that I'm shallow but come on like you can't you can't like not go hubba hubba sometimes so um like everything like I should have been where I was really excited because here I'm on this date with this doctor and then you know he started going on about his like family's wealth and that that started to turn me off a little bit because I don't like it when people like come on and be like oh well I have a yacht and I have a closet full of Tom Ford suits and I've flown here and flown there and I have this much money or my family's making that like it kind of off put me a little bit but you know it was it was strange because like part of me was attracted to him but another part of me like I had like red alert like warning bells that said like I just had extreme anxiety whenever I was around him when we first started dating but you also had butterflies a lot of them huh I did and did you feel like you could be 
in love with him. Well, it's about like date nine. I realized that uh, like I'm falling for this guy because, you know, I, he was really cocky for a while. And then you finally started to like, you know, be more sensitive and sweet. And I remember one night we went and got donuts and we were sitting in the park and we just started talking about like our families and past experiences. And then from there, it's like, OK, I realized I actually really like this man because like, you know, I, my thing was, you know, can he make me laugh? Is he funny? Will I be able to have like an emotional connection to him? Like he was really hard to read. Oh, and maybe that added added to the mystique a bit. Yeah, but it was charming. Like he had this like very heavy like European because he's from Serbia, very heavy like European accent. And he could also speak Russian and a few other languages. And, you know, he's just very like worldly. I'd not, you know, most people that I dated before in L.A. like didn't have a car or a job and were like artists like. But they were like really like I always, you know, financially was doing well myself. So I never like tried to find another like breadwinner. I was always like going off the people I dated. I was like attraction. But then I realized like I need more than that. I need someone that has like a nine to five and has goals or it's just never going to work because it would always be like, you know, me having to entertain. And it just it just didn't work. But but it did with Milos. You fell pretty fast. Yeah, he had a job and a car and he had a dog and like, you know, he kind of checked every box on what I was looking for in like a partner. So so what was his, what was his situation? It was, it was really complicated because he came to the U.S. just like, you know, to blow off some steam after medical school because he had just finished like, you know, a year prior. So his family kind of like said, go like, sow your oats, have fun. And he stayed in like a fancy hotel when he first came. And then he ended up getting like he had an apartment in Beverly Hills. Well, he had his grandma's house, but he had a, another apartment in Beverly Hills. He had a apartment in Marina Del Rey. He had a house in San Diego. So basically anywhere he wanted to go, he, you know, had a place to stay and you know, he he said that he wanted to do his medicine. So his family had all these businesses like, you know, there was the the war that happened when Yugoslavia broke apart. And, you know, the so they there was a lot of conflict when he was younger and they were like fleeing a lot of things. So he told me I used to like sleep in the hallways when he was younger because that way bullets have more walls to go through or, you know, they only had powdered milk for two years, but his family was really resourceful and got a loan and then started a furniture company and then had a coffee company and all these, like they, they were entrepreneurs. So they, the problem was when Milos met me was that, you know, they didn't understand why he was staying in the United States when he should come back to Serbia and help run the family, like family businesses when he just wanted to do his medicine. Like that's all he wanted to do. Like in, I didn't want to get involved because I'd been through family strife before and I didn't want him to have any kind of like separation or be the cause of it or whatnot. So our, you know, we fell in love fast, but then it was also really complicated because his family wasn't on board. Like his mom and her business partner, which was like a father to him, were like very much against him dating me. What? Yeah. What, what on earth would they have against you? Yeah, they, you know, they kept saying there's plenty of like beautiful women in Serbia. What are you doing? Like, why, why some actress that plays silly characters on YouTube? Like, have you lost it? What is wrong with you? Like, it was really tough because like I don't speak Serbian, obviously, but we would be hanging out and like, you know, his mom would call or the business partner and I would just hear people screaming on the other end of the line, like just yelling at him. And he would go outside and try to stay calm, but it caused a lot of strife. And also, too, they were financially supporting him when we first met. So they were sending him like $30,000 a month. And when he decided to stay and date me, like he was completely like cut off financially, like they wouldn't give him a dime. 
So, so he went from $30,000 a month to, to nothing? Unto zero. But I mean, he had, you know, he had, to do, he had a black Lexus when I met him. He had to turn it back in. He had to get rid of the place in Beverly Hills, get rid of the apartment in Marina Del Rey, get rid of the place in San Diego. And before you know it, like I, you know, I, I wanted a pet and I kind of had been avoiding it because I was so busy with work and I kind of wanted Milos to move in because I was in love. So I was like, well, what if the dog moves in and then I'll see him more? So I proposed to him so he wouldn't have to keep going back and forth to San Diego that the dog would come and stay with me. And then before I knew it, Milos was living with me and the dog and I was starting to financially support them. It's a pretty amazing thing to forfeit $30,000 a month. Yeah. And I wonder if it's just a little odd that you're with a guy who had more money than God when you met and who then pretty quickly went to zero and whom you're now supporting and could get this money back just with a little trip to Serbia, but but doesn't? It is. Yeah. I also like, you know, growing up, I'd been around people that are like wealthy, our friends of ours own like hotels all over Scottsdale, like you would never know it if you met them, like, they're the nicest people on the planet. But like, I've, they're also like, like very unhappy. So I knew like money didn't doesn't it money solves problems, but it doesn't solve everything. And if he was smart, like you can make more. And I, I even told him, I said, go back, like fix things with your family then. And he kept refusing. He was like, no, I met you. I'm not going to like give up on this basically. Like I'm not gonna, you know, I, I'm, if I go there, I may never come back. Like that was his thing. Like they could, you know, get him back where, you know, he's working for them and, you know, back under their control or, or whatnot. And it was really hard for me because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be the cause of any of this. And I felt like I felt like it was my fault for dating him that he was now like running out of money and whatnot. But I I had been like when I first moved to LA, I had no money. So I kind of helped him. I was like, okay, we'll get rid of all these places. He turned back in his car. Like he got, he had like $2,000 left. We went and I took out a car loan in my name and got him a car. And then, cause I, you know, the, if you don't have any credit, your interest rate is crazy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, if I took it out in my name, then, you know, so, and then he had to also finish his medical boards so he could get, you know, a residency and get a job. So it kind of, I was trying to help further his goals. So at this point, my radar is on high alert. No, but if you, I know. Yours should have been too, right? (laughs) Yeah, or something, yeah. So how come alarm bells didn't go off in your head at at this time? He was just so charming. Like, I can't even, like, any, like, I used to say all of my guy friends got a crush on him, like, a man crush. Like, they instantly wanted him to, like, go play, like, tennis with them or go play football or go do something. Like, he just was so charismatic and so, like, he could have charmed a rock. Like, he could have charmed anything. Like, it, it went, it doesn't even have to be alive and he could have made it do something. He was just that charming. Yeah. But he must have started to do something to make some money. Oh, yeah. It, it became really rough because, like, when I met him, he told me that he had been a tennis player with, like, you know, Jokovic. Like, he, you know, had been on the same team as him when he was younger. He got a scholarship to play and practice with Boise State, but he went to high school with the high school. So when he went back for summer break to Serbia, he tore his ACL 
but that eventually, you know, healed, but it's not, it would never be perfect, but he had all that tennis knowledge. So he had to start like teaching tennis lessons to wealthy older women that had a crush on him to make money. So, you know, if you've ever been in California, like he was stuck on the 405 freeway from day in, day out, like driving to Marina Del Rey and all these places, because when you teach, you know, private tennis lessons to like wealthy people, they expect you to come to them. So he was getting exhausted and having to drive just and, you know, work nonstop every day. And there was no time for him to study for his boards. And he was getting more and more frustrated. Who who were his clients? Like wealthy older women for the most part, and they would text him all the time too, which I was like, like these little cougars, like were like, you know, it was, you know, they, I got to meet some of them, and they would treat me like a jealous girlfriend, and I'm like, hey, this is just so strange. And some were lovely, and just like he was more of a therapist to them, and they would just text him all the time. Like I remember one like owned a private island, and she was the concert pianist. I'm not joking. Like, and she was going through a divorce, and she would just like text Milos all the time, just more for comfort or. You know, and she would ask like random tennis questions, but it was never, there was never any like red flags with his clients. Really? No red flags at all? <laughs> I, I see a few. Oh, yeah. We're getting there, aren't we? Um, About that time, things started to get really where Milos was becoming verbally abusive. And I had never had that in my life. And I kept making excuses for it. I was like, okay, he's just being really mean because he's stressed because of his boards and finances. And if I had been super wealthy from like age five or six to whatever, and now I had no money, like how would I be reacting? You know, and plus the strife with his family. I kept making excuses for his behavior. Then on January 2nd, 2016, I had a woman contact me because my, on my YouTube channel, there's a business email, which is my email, which you know, I a lot of times like to filter stuff before sending it to like an agent or a manager. So she emailed me saying that, that Milos was lying, that, you know, they were together because I had made a video finally talking about, you know, having a you know a boyfriend and showed photos of Milos. And it was that like the same day that she was emailing me and sending like photos of them together, but it was nothing that would be too suggestive. Does that make sense? It was like photos of that because, you know, Milos had a social circle that he would go out to with other like Serbians and other Eastern European men and go to like steakhouses. And there was like photos of his friends that I knew like in the pictures, plus the girls around. So there wasn't anything like too salacious, but Milish said the reason that she was doing this was she found out that he was already married because when he met me, his green card was set to expire and he gave his last $170,000 to this woman to marry him so he could stay in the U.S. and date me. This is so extraordinary. He, he must have been such a good storyteller. Uh-huh. The the reason he also said, because backtracking a tiny bit, when I met him like two weeks prior, I'd just gotten out of a like a really short relationship with someone who broke up with me because he was broke and married a Russian for her green card because he automatically started posting all over social media like my wife and pictures of her. So he said he couldn't tell me what he did because he knew how I felt about it. And he's like, but I filed for a divorce the moment that I got my green card. And, you know, I and it, in a weird way, it felt like I it just felt really like romantic and messed up <laughs> because like like you know he gave every last penny to stay and date me like wow but then like the one he showed me too online how you can go on Google and you can pull up apps and you can generate like text message conversations you can put date time battery power names of who's calling images like you know so he showed me how she could have done this huh 
Did you did you wonder that maybe he knew about those online tools because he was using them himself and not not her? It was it, like it, it was so strange. I felt like I had been cheated on, even though I hadn't been cheated on. And I had to I had a flight the next day because I had a big hosting job with a car company, so I had to get on a plane and go to rehearsals in Detroit. And I remember like the whole entire plane ride, I kept like obsessing about it and rereading her emails and the text messages and like you know Milos had been like sobbing and like you have to believe me like if you don't believe me like you know I don't know what I'm gonna do kind of thing and and my you know my mom had gotten on the phone with him too and she's like you know I you know I believe Milos and his mom was in town at that point too and was like my son would never do this and it, it felt like you know Milos had been we you know pretty much at my house every day and night so it, I didn't see when this could have happened if that makes sense. I'm like, okay, well, when it didn't, it didn't line up completely, but like part of me could not let it go. So you have a really interesting situation here. You, you love the guy, you believe he loves you, but you're, you're starting to feel something in the pit of your stomach. Like, yeah. Like at least did, did you feel like you needed some time to reassess? Yes. And so when you reached deep inside to figure out what you needed to do, <sighs> what, what answers did you find? You know, that's the hardest part when you find love is when you start to kind of lose it. So I've started to every fight, every time he was mean to me, like all the stress just slowly made me feel less and less like I was in love with this man. So, I mean, about March of 2016, I had had enough. I was like, I'm, I wanted to at least take a break. I wanted him to get his own place. And like, you know, maybe if we had some time apart, then like the fighting would stop. And it just been too much. You must have found that to be so disillusioning. Yeah. I mean, wow, Brittany, you have been put through so much at this point. And, uh, and I know it's not even the half of it. Yeah. So how do you, how do you handle it when, when he was being mean to you? Hmm. You know, I'm I'm like I'm more like whiny. I'm not I'm not really like an aggressive or a mean person. So it was really hard for me to be like screamed at. Like I have like normal like girl PMS. Like that happens. Like sorry, too much TMI. But I've never you know a lot of like probably ninety percent of the fights were like over nothing, and he would just blow up, and like and go at me for hours. I mean, scream at me, say every mean thing he could till I was sobbing. Like he wouldn't stop until I was like broken. And then it would be like the honeymoon phase where like two more, like the next day or two more days after, then he's so sweet and apologizing constantly. And, and you know, it just, it became like this yo-yo effect. And I felt like I was on a ride that never was going to stop. Like I'm on this roller coaster that keeps going up and down and I need to get off the ride. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so did you manage to get off that roller coaster? No, okay. well, eventually, like, but in March uh, is when I found out I was pregnant, so... Oh, my goodness. I've been wearing Warby Parker eyewear for years, so when they wanted to support The Secret Room, I was right on board. They make high-quality, stylish, and affordable glasses that start at only $95. And that includes your prescription lenses, and for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free with their Home Try-On program, which allows you to order five pairs of glasses shipped directly to your door, where you can try them on in the comfort of your own home, and you can get feedback from friends, family, and colleagues very easily. Keep the frames for five days, then send them back for free, and you're under no obligation. 
I actually just ordered some new frames, and I love the colors they offer. The Seymour and Sage is one of my favorites, but the Black Matte and Chestnut Crystal in other styles are so nice too. Also, they have some frames in Extra Wide, which fit me great. So I got the Wilkie Extra Wide in Black Matte Eclipse, and at just $95, I'm also getting the Seymour and Sage so I can switch up my style depending on which side of the bed I woke up on. The glasses are sturdy, and I really like the convenience of shopping in home. It's a great time saver. And make sure to download the Warby Parker app from the iTunes App Store. And if you have an iPhone 10, be sure to try their new Find Your Fit feature. The app measures key facial features through the phone's True Depth camera and suggests which Warby Parker frames best fit your face. The app also has a home try-on companion feature, which allows you to take photos wearing all your frames, stitch them into a video, and share them with your friends. It's so fun and another great way to get feedback on which frames fit you best. Try Warby Parker out for yourself and see just how good you look in their frames. Go to warbyparker.com secret, all lowercase please, to order your own free home try-on kit with free shipping all around. That's warbyparker.com secret. So Brittany, what was the state of your relationship exactly? when you discovered you were pregnant? That was so tricky because I finally, when I was in New York, because I had gone, I'd like the hosting job continued. So I was in New York um, hosting for a, a big car company at the Javits Center for two weeks. And I had two weeks away from Milos, two weeks to think. And I was like finally breathing again and happy. And I like loved my job. And I was like, you know what? When I get back, we need to take a break. Like we need to... You know, we were even talking about possibly getting like married at that point and like, you know, maybe looking at rings. And so I was like this, you know, I, before I make that kind of leap, I needed to really figure out what what I wanted to do. But then you know, while I was also in New York, I kept like eating like I, I, you know, was vegan at that time. And I kept wanting like protein and like meat. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? So I went on Amazon and I'm like, could it be? And I bought like a pack of like 25, like those little pee strips, like pregnant, like pregnancy strips. And like I peed on like six and within like seconds, it was like pregnant, pregnant, pregnant. And I was like, my, my stomach, like my heart hit my stomach. This was not something that you wanted? No, I just didn't plan on that. It's different when you like really want a baby and you plan on it. But when you're in a really bad relationship and you find out you're pregnant, it's like it almost felt like a death sentence. It like didn't even feel like my son was a human yet. It felt like he was this like parasite that was making me have to be with Milos. What a conundrum. I mean, what, what did you do? I don't want to sound insensitive to anyone who has any fertility struggles or whatever, but like at that point I was severely verbally abused and I wanted, I like, I needed, and it just felt like, great, now I'm tied to my abuser forever (laughs) because a child is forever. It's not, you know, but then things started to improve once he found out I was pregnant, even with like morning sickness, because um, he found out that he was going to get money out of an account that he had that had been sanctioned. So he had money coming in and that meant that we could get a house and, you know, the burden would finally start coming off of me and I wouldn't have to be pregnant and working so hard. And so did you did you announce your pregnancy to your viewers? I did, but it took me a while. <laughs> 
I think I was four or five months pregnant and I, you know, finally was at a point that I wasn't super nauseated all day. And it was actually Milos's idea. He's like, well, why don't we just film our lives? And I had not been really a vlogger before that. Like, I always thought it was kind of boring. I'm like, no one's going to want to watch me, like, just being silly or cracking, you know, jokes or whatnot. But it was something that I could do. Like, you know, I could film a little bit every day and then at one day a week, you know, film all the parts in between and cut together a weekly vlog like this is my life throughout the whole entire week why did you why did you wait to tell them i mean you're gonna have to at some point was was there a reason no yeah yeah because like i had been like a total like jane austen prude before and i you know had very much like announced to them that like i wanted to wait till marriage but i you know i'd never been in love before so like when hormones kick in it's a little different so so you were a virgin yes when you when you met milos yeah yeah I I've probably was a little too judgmental early earlier on in my career. And, you know, I was worried what the backlash would be because, like, you know, I'm like this Puritan like that's now like saying like she I have a scarlet letter on me now. Like like, you know, talking about like to my YouTube audience, but everyone was really receptive and I, I think that, you know, if it's the truth and you're honest, like People, people respect that. Yeah, totally. It's like, I, I got knocked up and here's who, uh, here's the hot doctor I'm going to marry. You know, congratulations, you guys. And by that, we decided at that point that we were like, he just asked me one day, he's like, you're basically already my wife. And I said, yeah, pretty much. And he was like, well, we should just get married. And I said, okay. So, you know, we, we didn't have a ring yet, but we were quote unquote in- engaged. Okay. So as you put it, you're, you're knocked up, <laughs> you're supporting your fiance and there's a promise of a ring. Yeah. And and there's still the promise of untold wealth, right? Yeah. So where where was that going to come from? He basically had told me like while because his family had all their different ventures, right? So he had done like a brief stint in oil and like oil trading, and he put the money into a fund. But then I think the U.S. put sanctions on it, and it was in Russia or something. And his family's cut was like thirty billion, and his was I mean ten billion dollars is what he told me he was getting with a B. $10 billion. And it it was a little, it made me uncomfortable too, because he started talking about like all the movies I could do and things. And I'm thinking, no, but I don't want to buy my success. Like I want to make it because, you know, I'm good or I, I'm weird. Like I've always wanted the struggle. I've always wanted to really earn it. Like even, you know, in clothes in high school, I got a job and worked weekends so I could pay for my own clothes. Like I've always been someone that wants to like earn my way and earn my keep. So part of it was like exciting because we started looking at like multi-million dollar homes in Malibu. And like, then, you know, Milos kept saying, you know, the closest residency hospital would probably be UCLA. And he could be in traffic for an hour to hour and a half, maybe two hours, because it's LA. So, you know, just to get back and forth every day. And if he's working, you know, 14, 18, you know, 24 hour, 48 hour shifts, like that it would be too far for him to drive so he could just take a helicopter yeah he could with that much money right but you know but like i you know but he he kept saying like the probably the best idea and he kept saying the air is cleaner in san diego the schools are better you know people are better so he started showing me like the area of like rancho santa fe in san diego and um it's heaven on earth like you understand like why oprah bill gates and all these people have homes like it's like huge wide lots with these mansions oh, oh i've been there i mean i've driven through it it's 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 gorgeous okay you get it no it's just it's like you feel like you're in like another country like it's not it's so hard to explain if you're in san diego you need to go drive through rancho santa fe 
and and you'll get it. You'll never want to leave. So we were like, there was one part, there's two properties we really liked down there. And then we kind of settled on one property that was going to be, I think they were going to offer like seven or $8 million for it. And it was like a compound with a well. And it was, you know, I just started fantasizing like, oh, I'm going to put a playground here. And the, you know, I'm going to have pool parties with the kid at the the saltwater pool. And like, you know, like I'm going to watch movies in this living room. And I really started to like picture a life there with Milos and what that would be. But I mean, part of it still made me really uncomfortable. We had had such a rocky start and I didn't want to be bought either. And that was another like hard part was like, okay, well, you know, we're back on track. Like, I feel like I'm in love with him again, but things can always flip and switch and then I'll be stuck and then he'll be paying all the bills and he would have more control. And that part kind of scared me a little bit. But look, I mean, you're right to be cautious. And just to clarify, you said 10 billion, right? With a B? $10 $10 billion and his first $150 million were co- was coming soon. So we found a place that we were going to, it was about um, October of 2016 or like, yeah, like early October of 2016, we were going to put an offer in or right before that, maybe the month prior. And then Milos found out that the banker that his family had hired like ran off with the money. So we were like two weeks out from making an offer on this place and all the finances like fell through. And by that point I was in debt because I didn't work for the first four or five months of my pregnancy because I was just deathly ill. Like I was throwing up all day long and on medication to the called declegis. It's like basically antihistamines and vitamin B6 to try to control the nausea. So I was in debt and, you know, because we were going to be moving to these, some beautiful place, like I put my house on the market in Highland Park because it didn't make sense to keep it. And by that point, when he found out that the you know money was falling through, my house was pretty much already sold. Like we were going through inspections and that broke my heart a little bit because that was like my first home and I'd put every cent. And when I first bought it, I used to hug the walls. I'd get up at night and go to the bathroom and I'd like, I would hug the wall and be like, I love you. Like it was my cute little, bon- like it was weird. The house and I were friends, but that was probably like one of the hardest parts was having to sell my place because I, you know, I was in debt. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I need to clean out the debt that I'm in because it was I was about twenty or thirty thousand dollars in debt right then. And at my place, I knew I would make a little bit of money. And I'm like, we can get to San Diego. Milos will get a medical residency. He'll finish his board exams by then, which he had been studying for all along. And then we're back on track because I needed help. I needed like him to step up. Brittany, you are going out on such such a limb for this guy. <sighs> If, but if you're if you're not if you're not in it, you wouldn't understand because it's like there was an ex, there was an answer there was an answer for everything. But you got to like you got to understand, Ben. Like there were bank transactions, there was emails, there was them setting up accounts in Switzerland and other places, and me seeing the accounts. There was calls with the business partner and his mom daily. There was so much proof that it was happening. Okay, so you, so your LA bungalow was sold. Your house purchase in San Diego has fallen through. <laughs> Because some some banker on another continent has has run off with millions of dollars, supposedly. Is is San Diego still an option? Yes. We finally moved down there because that was our plan. Like, get down there, get into an apartment. Milos will finish his boards before the baby is born. Like, he'll have a job within a couple weeks because there's plenty of positions that need doctors because there's a shortage. And, you know, a happy life. Like, it'll all work out. But the more that we were down in... 
like San Diego, like the more like it just didn't it just didn't happen. Like his his family like had come up with a plot to like lure this guy out because the, all the money would need to be washed is my understanding. Like it would need to be because it'd be traceable. So he he would need to convert it somehow. So they came up with a plot to lure him out. And then, you know, yeah, that, but it was, the money just never came. It didn't, it didn't happen. And things with Milos and I just got worse. Money laundering, not, not good. And how were things with mom at this point? Well, it was like his mom had met me. And, you know, the first thing she said when she met me before I was pregnant was like, okay, I get it. So I thought, you know, we were back on track and his family was being friendly. But then when his mom came out for the birth, oh, that was that was like a whole different side of her that I'd never like I'd never seen his mother like his mother before I knew had been a little controlling but like her when she came out it was like the child didn't belong to me like I was an incubator for for their the heir to their kingdom like I was just the breeder so I, I take it the relationship soured a bit I, I, I say like a gram monster <laughs> It's like the, like the best way to describe it. But like, you know, my son finally, you know, was born on December 6th of 2016. And from the moment he was born, I couldn't do anything right. Like I couldn't put on the diapers right. I didn't hold him right. I didn't put the right clothes on him. I didn't burp him right. Like she was so critical of me. And it was, it's just, talk to any mother. And that is the hardest thing. Because when your child's first born, you have those instincts. You're crazy in love with them. And then for someone to be telling you you're not taking care of them right, like is the worst. Because you're like, I love this thing more than I love myself. And I'm not putting on the diapers right. Like, And, w- and what did you name him? Was there family input on that as well? Yeah. He had to have a Serbian name. And by that point, I was pretty controlled. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, his name was Misha when he was first born, which was his grandfather, who was a great person. So we named, you know, it's cute. It's unique. It's memorable. Fine. But I didn't really get a choice in the naming process. Was Milos able to play mediator between you and, and Grandmonster? No. Like, no, he didn't. Like, I remember there's a few incidences that happened at the hospital that were just outrageous. Like, that, like, I don't, like, one of them was like, you know, we had finally been moved from the birthing room to the recovery suite, which was on a different floor. And I was finally allowed to eat. So I was starving. Like, I was like ordering everything on the menu, like eggs, toast, oatmeal, like, give me the works. I will eat. And I was eating a banana in the meantime. Like, I remember I was just, I could not shovel in food fast enough. So, they let you order kind of room service style from the hospital because it just it was the new San Diego hospital. I forget what the name of it was, but it just opened up and it was like a like a luxury hotel birthing facility. So we called in our room service to our hotel room and they brought up our food. And my mom had got up just to pass out trays because, you know, you know, his mom had something. Milos had something. I had something. So she went to hand Milos his dish and his mom got up and like yanked it out of my mom's hands and I remember her saying like I feed my son and then like turning around and like giving it to Milos and Milos didn't bat an eye and my mom was standing there like what like what does it matter that I was gonna hand a tray to him of food like that that's just an example of like the hostility and then from when he was born too she kept calling him my baby she would hold him and go my baby my baby and I'm thinking no you didn't just give birth this is not your baby it's your grandbaby but he doesn't he doesn't belong to anyone like he belongs to himself like you know so 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 you were all living together 
Yes, because, you know, Milos had phrased it like, you know, I I just wanted to get a one bedroom apartment and save money because apartments in San Diego are just as crazy as LA price wise. And I had a lot of stuff. So I was like, okay, let's just put all my stuff into storage. Let's get a one bedroom. Like it'll be me, you and the baby and the dog. And then when you get your residency, then we'll start like leasing or buy, you know, a bigger place. Okay, Milos's mom, according to established lore at this point, has tremendous wealth. <laughs> yes. Why can't she just set everyone up in their own places? Yeah, his mom had money, but she wasn't willing to part with it. Like, she wanted Milos to come back to Serbia. Like, that was her motive. Like, if I'm not going to help him out or give him any more handouts, like, I paid for his medical schooling. I paid for all his fancy trips. I, You know, it's his turn to... It was she was taking like a tough love road like you know if and and I think they did kind of want to force him force his hand or force him to move back like you know there was very like you know there was ulterior motives to why they wouldn't help him and just like make him struggle so like and the moment she came she didn't pay for anything like you know here she has like this is a designer Gucci bag and like nice clothes but she wasn't paying for a dime like she didn't buy one meal she didn't pay for a pack of diapers like nothing and Milos explained it to me that like in Serbian culture he's like oh just wait if you come to Serbia like you know don't take out your debit card like we you know they'll pay for everything like so I felt like okay then I have to pay for everything because it's a cultural thing like if I'm there they they would pay for everything so if they're here I have to pay for everything did you ever get that engagement ring no no there was one I really liked which also was kind of sickening because it was very expensive because Milos had taken me ring shopping and I like, you know, wanted like I found one I liked that was like, I think $5,000. It was really cute, simple, antique, like, you know, had filigree, like was in good shape at this place that was in downtown LA. But Milos insisted on this like $65,000 ring or $70,000 ring. So which was which was gorgeous. But the plan was he was going to put the the payment on that house that we're looking at and get me a ring and like all these things were going to happen that never happened. This must have all been taking quite a toll on you. It was just, it was just awful. I mean, like, you know, one, it was wonderful because like, you know, I had come to terms with my pregnancy. I was over the moon in love with my son, but then it was like everything else in my life was falling apart besides my mom, who was just a rock. But yeah. Okay. Your son and your mom were the positive constants in your life. Part of you must have felt that having the baby would help your relationship with Milos. Yeah, because also, too, like when our son was born, he was very detached. Like he didn't he changed one diaper and like that was it. Like he helped with like one bath and then he's done. Like he didn't help me at all. So it was very strange. Like I always pictured him being like a really doting father. And like because he always the way he talked about like I want to have four children and just the way he would say it. Like I pictured in my head like he's going to be a really good partner and he's going to be up like helping me with the baby, too. But from the moment he was born, he started like sleeping in his mom's room because he said he needed more sleep to study for his boards because he still didn't get them done. So it was like me alone with the baby, like with these, I remember I looked in the mirror and I had like red streaks under my eyes. When you get really tired, your eyes turn red, like under, it's no longer purple, it's like red. So I remember like, you know, because I had about, there was about four or five days of not really sleeping because you don't like once it's the baby's born it kind of everything goes out the the wayside like you you know you're you have cuffs on you and people like you know giving you shots and the baby shots and or taking out the IVs and like you don't get a lot of sleep the first few weeks so I didn't and then I wanted to do a lot myself because you know his mom was so imposing that I kind of took on all the burden you know on onto myself to take care of him and, and like our son in the first week. Brittany, this is, this is so intense. What a tremendous load you're carrying. 
there must have been a breaking point. Yes. We had had like one part that was really hard. We had one part where I, when I was pregnant, before I started making videos on YouTube and I was in debt, that he was physically abusive. Like I had was gathering up all his stuff, probably pregnancy hormones. And I was like, I was done with them. I was like, I'm going to, you, I said, you need to move out. You need to go get a job. And as I was gathering up his stuff, it just, I looked at him and I just knew that it, like it was escalating way too quickly. This episode of The Secret Room is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. The HEPA filter technology that's been used to clean your air was developed in the 1940s, and there haven't been any major innovations since until now. Molecule's photoelectrochemical oxidation technology goes beyond the HEPA filter system to capture and eliminate allergens, mold, bacteria, viruses, and airborne chemicals. That includes pollutants 1,000 times smaller than what a HEPA filter can catch. Molecule makes a real difference for asthma and allergy sufferers like me to better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. One customer has reportedly said that after using Molecule in her home, she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Molecule's technology has been funded by the EPA, extensively tested by real people, and verified by third parties and university laboratories like the University of South Florida Center for Biological Defense and the University of Minnesota Particle Calibration Laboratory. Molecule is easy to use and has a clean and sleek design, from its sleek solid aluminum shell to a filter subscription service where filters regularly arrive on your doorstep when you need them. And now, a special for Secret Room listeners, for $75 off your first order. Visit molekule.com and enter the promo code SECRET. That's molecule.com, molekule.com, and enter promo code SECRET. And we're back. Brittany's decided she's done with Milos. She told him to get out, and things started escalating. I tried to get away from him and call the police because he was just out of control and he like wrenched my phone out of my hand. And I remember like then, but then I thought I hurt him. Like he told me that like I hurt his eye or, or something like that. Cause I had pushed his face away. Cause he was like on top of me at the door. Like he would not let me go. And this is when I was pregnant. And it was so confusing because like I was trying to get away from him and he was violent, but then I felt like I had hurt him. So I was very emotionally conflicted, but that was before we were, you know, we were back on track like during my pregnancy, but then after the pregnancy, he was going back to being verbally abusive and just like really detached and just like, it was just, it was really strange. So 
what I finally, I, I don't think it was a few, I don't know how many days it was after my birth. I have it written down, but, um, it was, it wasn't too like maybe five, six, seven, eight days after giving birth. I just had enough. Like I wanted Milos to get a job. I wanted him to step up. I needed help. I needed him to be a father. And like, you know, so we had gone out for a walk. Uh, we got out with our son, which it was a warm night, even though it was December, there was not a breeze at all. I had him in a pack with like a hat and a blanket. We we weren't going to talk to anyone. There was no one outside. We were walking like maybe 20 feet to the clubhouse, which was always empty. And we were going to sit outside. So we weren't going to sit inside, you know, and I was just going to keep him on my chest the whole time in the pack. And just, just so I could, you know, leave the house. And Milos didn't bring his cell phone with him. And his mom was just calling him nonstop while we were gone. So I didn't, when we got back in, my mom's like, she's really pissed because my mom had come for the birth too and been trying to play mediator. And she's like, you know, she was trying to call him. He wasn't answering. And I thought, you know, enough is enough. Like you knew where we, we were at. And she was saying, oh, I'm going to make our, the child sick. Like I'm going to make the baby sick. And I'm thinking the baby is fine. What is the difference between indoor air? Like outdoor air is fresher. Like we're not, we're not going around people. It's not cold out. Like, you know, I think, you know, as a mom, it didn't feel wrong to go for a walk with my son with no people around, like, you know, in, in a pack, like completely bundled up. Like that didn't feel wrong to me. So at that point, his mom asked right away, she's like, well, do you want me to leave? Like, do you want us to leave? And I was thinking, whoa, this is escalating. Like, no, I don't want you guys to leave. I want you to basically back off and like, you know, let me be a mom. And I remember telling her like, why don't you just say like the carrier's nice? Like she, when I put him in the carrier, she's like, oh, the carrier's too small. Like everything I did was wrong. And I said, why can't you give me any compliments? Like I'm a new mom. I need support. And at that point, she's getting really upset and she started going, my baby, my baby. And I said, no, he is my son. And she grabbed all her stuff, started throwing it into a suitcase. And her and Milos and Louie, our dog, moved out that night. So Milos too? Yeah, Milos went with her. Like I didn't kick, I, you know, they asked if I wanted them to leave. And I said, yes, because I knew that to get his mom out, Milos wouldn't leave her and I needed her to stop. That must have been a wake-up call. I mean, you see where his loyalties are. Where, where where did they go? They said they went to a hotel in San Diego, and then that started even more guilt because his mom's now, like, you know, was supposed to be my guest, and now she's spending, like, you know, $4,000 a week at some luxury hotel, like, to, and, and all and all their, you know, it was some, like, bungalow with, like, um, the some little fancy inn with, a, like, a five-star restaurant and, like, a Michelin chef. Do you know that's where they went or did they just go to the Motel 6 and say that? I didn't know. No. And but he kept and then all his laundry, he said, has to be done by the hotel and that's costing them so much money. And the, the moment he kicked out, then it became kind of like the moment he left and I kind of kicked them out. Then it became war, even though I said like the next day I said, why don't you guys come back? We'll work it out. I also have had like a hormone drop. I'm exhausted. You know, you know, your mom won't leave me alone. Like, you know, like Zora has been all over me. Like, you know, there's and I'm, you know, there should just be some lenience when you've just given birth. Like you've carried something for nine months and you are like exhausted. And, and I just needed her to stop. And they are, they're the ones that like, you know, were very rash and like wanted to get out of there. But, but it was for the best. Yeah, exactly. But then when they did leave, then the abuse like ramped up times 30. Like I thought Milos was bad before it got to the point where I started taking notes about what he would say to me, because I remember once, this is a good example, all I said to him was like, I wish things could go back to the way they, they were. And I meant like, 
I wish they could go back to the way they were when we, you know, first started dating and we were in love and happy. And with that, he was off. Like, that's all I said. And he was up and taking what clothes he had left and throwing them on the floor and slamming doors. And my mom had come from the other room because she, you know, whenever Milos would come over for his rants, like I'd have her watch the kid because, you know, I'm trying to fix things with him. And um, she needed a diaper and the diaper, like wipes, changing table, everything was in our room. So she knocked like gently. And I remember like she went to open the door and she needed, she said, she said, I need a diaper. And Milo started screaming at her, like, you get out, you get out, you get out. And like running towards her and raising his fist, like he was going to hit her and slam the door in her face. So uh, it got, and then like, it just, like, it just got crazier. Like it just got like, at one point I'm pretty sure like faked a heart attack because I finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, my mom needs to go home. Milish needs to come back in. We need to fix this. Like we need to, you know, become a family. And I can't do that with like three people in my relationship or four, including Zora. So I um, sent my mom home and then I remember Milos was really mad at my mom. Like he blamed my mom for me kicking them out and whatnot. Cause she did say she was going to call the police <laughs> the night that they were, you know, Zora was screaming like my baby because um, at that point, like they were saying like, that was my son. I couldn't tell them what to do and that, you know, they were kind of going to take the child. So my mom's like, you try to take that, you know, the child and I will call the police. So then she, he, you know, hated my mom after that. And it was very isolating for me because here I'm in a relationship that's extremely complicated with Milos. My mom is now in Arizona. I'm not allowed to talk to her when I'm around Milos because it just sets him off and he goes crazy. And then, you know, I'm trying to work things out with his mom. Why isn't he trying to work things out with mine? So like my dad had cancer and passed away from cancer. And I'm telling you, this was 10 times harder, 100 times because there was an explanation for my dad being sick. There is nothing that you can do is out of your control. But when things get so painful and that insane, like for no reason, there was no justification for it. There wasn't like, like, this is just life and you can't do anything about it. It was like, why? Like why? And then I, like I, 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 you know, going back to that night when he faked a heart attack, I was like, you know, I, or I think he did. He, you know, I, all I had said to him was like, oh, well, you know, I wish things could go back to the way they were. And he's like, he's like, you just, you know, you just, whatever. I don't remember exactly what he said. I wrote it down. And then he got up and he like pretended like his like heart was like, I can't, my heart, my heart and fell to the ground. My first thought was like, that's the worst acting I've ever seen. And then, but then like, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go because our, our son was in the crib at that point and sleeping. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go call 911 because you need assistance. But then he started getting up and like falling down and like, you know, my heart and get me an ice pack. And then I started to believe him and like, I panicked and I started crying and calling 911. And there's a 911 call of me being like, you know, he's had a heart attack and he, you know, rushed down the stairs and drove away. So I was giving, I was finding our, our paper paperwork on the lease that I had him for his new car and giving them a license plate and like trying to to you know be so the the people could track him down he rushed away in his car while he was supposedly having a heart attack yeah yeah looking back doesn't it seem a bit ridiculous (laughs) you well that yeah it's so hard like and you know there's so many layers and there's so but then finally I like reached my breaking point in like early 2017 and I was really scared of Milos and his family at that point and I needed the only way to get out and away from him was kind of to trick him 
So I told him that my mom was coming for an antique. She came like usually every two or three months and went antiquing, picked up stuff to buy and then sell it on eBay. Like that was really normal. So it wasn't out of the blue that my mom would be coming back and doing this. So it was the perfect excuse to get her back. And then when we were there, I was gonna take some meetings in LA. Like one of them was for a clothing company, which is actually gonna be coming out soon, like inspired by my son, but that was the first meeting I took. So I had some legitimate things going on that would make it believable to Milos why I needed to go to LA with my mom and my son and away from him. So when, when, I, when I was out, then I tried to go to the police in Pasadena because when I had first let Milos back in, we had another instance of domestic violence and I'd actually taken photos. So I had evidence, even though it'd been like a month and something prior, like we thought we need to try. They told me I had to go back to San Diego because it, it has to be filed in the county of the crime or where, where you were. So I never wanted to go back. And now I had to go back and kind of told Mila to get his stuff out, leave the car, leave the keys, leave the credit card. We really are done. And then the moment we got back, like it was really strange because the garage was closed and the front door was locked and everything was on the stairs. But you, you like, you know, you can't just like, like lock and close the one door. Like it needs to be locked from the outside and it was locked. So he obviously had a set of keys. So the apartment complex, like right away changed the locks for me. And I filed a police report and thankfully I was granted a temporary restraining order. Like I started going into like everything that I knew about the family and whatnot. And they, like the judge was like, uh, like either this girl is crazy or she's telling the truth. Let's just give her the restraining order and go to trial and see what this is. So then we had a trial after that and I kind of became my own private investigator. And that's when I like started to figure out things. And that's like the most bone chilling part is when I started to piece everything together and like try to figure out what, if anything was real. Probably nothing. <laughs> particularly the money well that's what's so the yeah the money is complicated because i saw those documents i don't know if it was their money or someone else's that they were trying to take i don't know because like why go to that kind of ruse to impress me and i'll explain why because i found out you know how he told me he was married well i had memorized milosh's marriage thing that he had to the like the number because when you're going through a divorce they give you a number in la and you can go on this website and you can look up the status of your divorce so his wife was the petitioner so it meant that she had filed for a divorce I got a lawyer in San Diego because I wasn't allowed to leave because there are minors involved. And, and until a judge told me that I could leave, I couldn't, even though I wanted just to run to the hills. So, um, you know, Milo should have been out at that point. And I, um, the lawyer had got the files from L.A. She ordered it from his marriage. And Milo was married before he met me. So <laughs> you go. I started to piece it together like the house in Beverly Hills that was his wife. And I found her on social media and she was not this elderly Russian grandma. She was like a hot Russian in like her, maybe like I would say forties, early fifties, but gorgeous. Like I hope that I look that good with like little less filler when I'm older. Like, like, but even that, like, even with it, she was just stunning. Like, you know, you know, Hey, if you have the money, why not? Like she was just, you know, not at all what Milos had described. And we finally got the, because I hired a private investigator, got to talk to her and she did, would not cooperate. She got on a plane and went to Russia, like right away. Like she would not cooperate with us. But she, the one thing she did say was, I thought he loved me. That, that is really weird. Why, why did she leave? 
I have no idea. She got on a plane and she deleted all her social media. She deleted everything, got a plane and left. If I could be a fly on the wall and find out what else she knows, because um, then like I started to, once I like, started to piece it all together, it was like a dominoes. And I'm like, okay, wait, if I felt like he cheated on me and he told me this girl was like a call girl and jealous and he, you know, he rejected her, he probably did cheat on me. So I luckily had never like said anything mean to her. Like I didn't write back like, you bitch, you tried to steal my man. Or like, I didn't, you know, write any response. I just didn't respond. So I wrote her a nice email and I said, I'm so sorry. I should have believed you, but I believed Milos when you wrote this. And I said, he, you know, I have a son with him and I've just left him. And she like got on the phone with me right away and if only I would I have chills right now if only I would have talked to her I would have known that Milos was lying because she had details that I there's no way to deny it like you know he had been FaceTiming her from my mom's house in Sandy like in Sedona for Thanksgiving like there was details that were just how do you you can't get past that right so there and then then you know found out that he really was cheating on me but the timeline is weird because he met her on Tinder earlier before he met me. So actually he was cheating on her with me, if that makes any sense. So that's why he was around me all the time. Like, and it didn't make sense to me because he was kind of winding down that relationship with her. Well, he needed a new mark because that ride was ending for whatever reason. Or his wife needed something, who knows? But it didn't make any sense why, because his wife was legitimately wealthy. Like all her photos are of like her on a private plane. And like, you know, there's a photo of her with Louie, like the puppy, like which she obviously bought probably for Milos. And like, you know, the watch she had that was 25,000 and she probably paid for that. And she- Maybe maybe she was wrapped up in a, in a money laundering scheme with her? Yeah, exactly. No, but then well, we don't know that because there's so much is still- like I question I just don't understand why he left his wife to be with me because like and 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 all the when I was with him there were so many like documents from their business transactions on the daily and him talking to the you know the business partner and his mom Zora like why would he put up that ruse it just wouldn't make any sense like I'm not loaded I'm not loaded like his wife was so why why that's still a big like I don't know if I'll ever have that answer like ask me in however many years and I might have a different thing but like you know I found out he was already married he did cheat on me the doctor part we weren't able to prove you think he was even lying about being a doctor everything was a lie then it's so complicated we don't know whether he is a doctor like did he go to medical school and in Serbia and drop out? Did, did he, he just, I watched him study for months and, and like ramble off stuff. I quizzed him on pharmacology. I pretended to be a patient for his step three board exams, which are in person. Like there's just so much that I don't, I don't know what is real. And then I, on the path of like questioning everything, then I was like, okay, is his mom like really his mom? Like, because like the woman that he told me was his aunt in San Diego that he was renting the house from was his host mom. So when he was a exchange student and not really like blood related. So like who is who and what relationship do they have to Milos? It just like, it's so crazy. I'm sure they weren't as, as wealthy as they portrayed. I don't know. I think that they have probably some legitimate business things, but I don't know what is real and what isn't. His mom, and I put that in air quotes, is probably not even his real mother. 
that I don't know. Like I like, you know, she was just a little too friendly. His mom, quote unquote, like, you know, she would always have her hand like rubbing his leg. And she all these women, like I told you, would act like jealous girlfriends. Like I remember we went out to lunch with one of the girls he taught tennis to. And she was just so catty to me. And I'm thinking, yeah, because he's probably sleeping with all of them. Like that's probably how he's making money. Like I'm so lucky I didn't get any STDs from this man. So but, you know, then the path of getting out and then figuring out everything has been the craziest part because it's like I didn't even know what to think and I thought okay if I'm a smart girl and I got taken like I just I had to wrap my mind around it <laughs> like like all all the lies and all the things like I still I still now like think about was that real or I'll say something and my mom says are you sure that's the truth because Milos probably told you that and I'm thinking oh yeah he brought like I don't know if that's real like I just took it as a given like you know what I mean it's just weird it's it's an amazing story Brittany and you and you and you know that this isn't even the half of it. Like we're just brushing the surface. Like it's way like it's way scarier than this. The true the like the continued truth of what happened. Like like it's it's bone chilling. And, and the reason that I know all the bone chilling details <laughs> is cuz you documented yeah, the yeah. whole gut-wrenching affair in a book. I did. I didn't plan on it, but it was like therapy. <laughs> like I, it was, I had to be silent during my trial. Like the judge ordered me cause she knew I was on social media and she's like, you better not be posting anything. Like, and my lawyer meant like nothing. You couldn't even say that I was having a trial and that lasted everything to wrap everything up was over a year. So I went from having me lotion videos to just like he's gone and not explaining anything to my audience, to my audience being really mad at me to like 50% were really pissed and like a lot of unsubscribed and then like other ones have been so sweet and supportive and been like I know there was something else going on in the background that you like because I would hint and make catty like things here and there like you're like oh like I we, there was a toy snake in a, a, a toy store and I said I know a few snakes and people were like oh that's a dig at Milos or you know like they they would interpret things or think that I'm saying something I just I was dying. I wanted so badly to tell everyone what happened, but the safety of my son became priority, like number one when I left Milosh. And so now after all this time, you have a chance to come clean to your fans. I do with you. Your book is, is such a page turner. And even after reading it, I'm, I'm still just gripped hearing you retelling your story right here and having a chance to ask you questions about it. It's such a, so great. <laughs> oh, good. It, it must have, have been so emotional to put it all down on paper. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's hard because I don't, like, the hardest thing for me, like, the most anxiety that I had was, like, am I going to do this, you know, am I going to do this right? Like, am I going to give this story the justice that it needs to? Because my priority one, when I first started writing, was just to get it out. Like, I needed, I didn't even know I was writing a book when I started writing a book. I just started writing, and I had everything organized for my trial. I knew dates, times, and all I had to do was work backwards and be like, okay, then the thing that came out in trial, this thing needs to be placed in this chapter because this is when I found it out like I just had to I had an outline already for the story so but when I started writing I kept thinking if I can just save one person from this misery like I was lucky I had an incredible support system like my mom has been basically the other parent like she's he, he calls her mama too which just makes me die laughing like you know Rex thinks he my son well we call him Rex now Rex thinks he has two moms but he's starting to call her grandma but it's pretty funny because he'll argue with her she'll go grandma and he goes uh mama 
like you get you like argues with her which is cute but like there's not everyone is as fortunate as I am to have that kind of support system like you know most people don't have someone they can turn to that will just fight with them through the darkness and get them back you know back to the other side like I was so lucky to have people that love me so much and I'm able to tell this story because you you know as reading it that it could have gone a completely different direction and who knows I might not even be here which is scary so you went to court, you wanted full custody of your son. It must have been so hard to compartmentalize what was going on in your real life and your YouTube channel, which is supposed to be a window into your real life. Yeah. Could you say anything at all to your fans? Uh, I wasn't allowed to say anything. And I was like, I was like, I remember going to my first court date and I was like, the night before my chest was so tight and like the whole entire, like, cause we had to drive down to Phoenix and catch a plane and be there early. And I remember my hands shaking the entire time and I just did not want to see him again. Like anyone that's been in an abusive situation, like the last thing you want to do is be around your abuser. Like you, I didn't look at him pretty much the whole entire trial except for a few points. Like I didn't, I just, I couldn't, I, I was like, if I look at him, I'm going to back down. And, you know, you know that there was like blackmailing. There was so many other things going on. And I just did not. I needed to stay strong because like my my son is the sweetest, like kindest little thing. And like he's 100 percent like my personality and looks a lot like his father. So but like personality wise, like I, he just he needed to be protected. And I was like I went into mama bear mode and I was just I would have done anything like anything legal to take care of him. You know, you would know this like, you know, way better than me, of course, but but isn't one of the keys to being a successful personality on YouTube that you provide an unabashed, like no holes barred window into your life? Yeah, and I did it. <laughs> you worry about a, a backlash, like they'll be upset at you that you weren't, you know, being as as transparent as you're expected to be? I worry about the backlash from the people that don't read the book and don't understand because like legally I couldn't just make a YouTube video. Like I'm not going to go into like all of it, but I had to have where I have a team behind my story because me just putting what happened to me on YouTube would leave me open to like legal things that I couldn't, I could not, which I'm not allowed to talk about. I I'm could not. I couldn't risk it. So it's like, well, I fought so hard to protect myself and my child. I'm not just going to throw that away to entertain people online. So no, it's it's de- like the hardest part for me has been when I've wanted to, just, I, I can't even tell you, I've just wanted to scream and pull out my hair and be like, guys, you don't understand what I've gone through. Like you don't understand what I've been hiding. Like you don't understand my struggles. Like just in, and the book was like the biggest blessing because it was finally a way that I could safely tell my story. So where's Milos today? I don't know. <laughs> Like, it, I mean, I have a, an inkling on some things, but it's like, you know, people like him, like, you know, they're they're here and there and everywhere. I mean, I think he might be in Texas, but like just from so, like social media stuff. But like there's some other like people involved and that's their story to tell. It's not mine. And, and is his ex-wife still laying low? No, like she I think she put back up her social media, which is like, good for you. Like, you're no longer afraid. But like she kept her stuff down forever. Like she I think she still deleted her Facebook. And it was weird because like the guy that took photos of us for like family photos 
also that Milos told me was his cousin also took photos of his wife his ex-wife the Russian and there was I was on her son's Facebook page tagging that photographer and I was thinking how sneaky like this photographer came like to San Diego took family photos after my son was born and like knew that Milos was already married and knew his other part of it and like you just wonder oh like I said to be a fly on the wall and really get I mean, I figured out a lot once the love goggles were off and my eyes were wide open and I like, you know, dang, I would be a good private investigator, but like, there's still a lot that I don't know. I, I notice, I noticed there are scenes on your channel where Milos's face is blurred out. Yes. Why is that? I had to do it because the legally, if he tried to come back, like that's the only way I could, because like, you know, a lot of my story, it's all backed up by court transcripts and receipts and text messages. And I had to write like a legal copy while I was writing the book. So everything is backed up. (laughs) So, um, and has proof to the statements that could be kind of controversial. So we just, we didn't want to be where like if his, you know, he came out and didn't want to be in the video, like he can't say take the video down because like you know they're his face is not being shown in it so is your advice to people who find themselves in abusive relationships to just try to find a way to get out yes the, the yes the best advice that i ever got was from one of my hygienists of all people like when i first was thinking about leaving milosh i was telling her about what was going on and she like stopped me she looked me straight in the eye and she said get out and i said but how do i do it she says you just do it and i think that's the best advice i've ever gotten she's like even with the shirt on your back you do it you figure it out you get out and i think you can't keep waiting for things to get better like when you see someone's true colors that's who they are so a leopard doesn't change its spots. Like you, what you see is what you get. Like it's not going to ever change. If someone like verbal abuse is still abuse. So if someone does not treat you right, like that's the hardest part I think about our society is like we're, we grow up with this, like we know every, everything we read, every movie we watch, like shows relationships and we're all fascinated with relationships and we want so badly to have our own love stories that sometimes I think we fall in love with the idea of love and then we want we don't want to let our families down or let like you know our our co-workers are they going to judge us or we stay sometimes in relationships we shouldn't because we're worried about what other people think and also our self-esteem gets low in those relationships so I think you know you need to get out and just not care what anyone thinks because it is your life and like do you want to spend the rest of it being like tortured and miserable no well my angelou the the prominent american poet and um, civil rights activist said when someone shows you who they are believe them the first time yes i love that that well well she's a genius <laughs> you posted a video called my story of survival which was pretty much your first mention of your abuse it was really moving I don't want what happened to me to happen to anyone else. And if you are even thinking of online dating, read my book before you do. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It just, I finally get to talk about this. It's so exciting. (laughs) Even though I can't really like talk about it, I'm talking about it. You have such a complicated mix of emotions there. Sadness, happiness, relief. And, And the comments below the video are just, are so supportive. I, I pretty much cried the first week. Like, I couldn't sleep the night before when I made the story of survival video, which was like the announcement. And it was kind of like legally what I could say in a video. And that's that I was in an abusive relationship and there was a trial. And that was 
pretty much it in the in a YouTube video what I could say. So like a podcast is different. So you'll get you'll get in a little bit more. But um, like in a YouTube video, I I pushed the boundaries as far as I was allowed to push it. And like I stayed up all night because I was like, okay, they're gonna be mad at me because I'm still not telling them the whole story. And then it was like this outpouring of love and support. I, I just, I can't even, I'm so grateful. And for me, I already give away 10% of everything I make and I will definitely be donating to like, there's a charity that I love that's um, called Watoto. It's in Uganda. They take women that have been trafficked and also orphans and they create them new families and give them trades and skills. Like I will pay it forward. Do you have anything you want to say to your fans who might be listening to this podcast? I just love them. <laughs> We've been together for so many years and like they're like there's even I have one girl right now who's like she's really sick. She has a very rare disease and she's bedridden and she like is making me a cup. So like she's like, Brittany, do you want like I make these cups? So she's gonna like, you know, put Rex and I's photo on it and then put Rex and make me a mug. And I'm like, you know, I have the sweetest viewers and like the one the people that I've collected over the year is just like smart, mostly smart, sweet, really intelligent women that are are just they're just beautiful humans I have I have some guys too so not excluding the guys which is my my I'm like I'm like 80 I'm like 80 percent 85 percent female like you know 15 percent if my male yeah that'd be 15 percent male yeah it's whatever my, my don't I'm not I'm not a mathematician <laughs> and and it need it needs to be asked do you, are, are you dating now no <laughs> No, I, you know, I tried to go, I'm going to give you a really quick example. I, um, I um, ran into a guy that I went to high school with who I was on tennis team with here and he was like this short little thing and super sweet. And now he's like six foot two and like really cute. And he invited me out to dinner and I had to file police reports for things that Milos was doing during our trial that were really scary. So I was at the police station and he was mentioning how some of the people I went to high school with, because I knew the police officer. Officer. He's, he said, um, it's a small town. So uh, he was like, you know, mentioning that a lot of the people I went to high school with are now police officers on the force. And I said, oh, well, I'm going out to dinner with such and such. And he goes, he goes, first and last name. I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, just because I know what you've been through, he said, we arrest him all the time for meth. <laughs> so then, then I went on Google and he had just gotten out of prison for an aggravated assault DUI. So my, I don't have the best taste when it comes to men. So I think I need to be set up. So, or someone like, you know, has a nice brother. And I, you know what? Like I have a young son and I don't really have a lot of time. So do I want a relationship eventually? Yeah. But right now, like my focus is Rex and it's kind of been nice just to like, you know, not have to put on makeup and just like, you know, just be a mom and not worry about taking care of anyone else but him for the moment. Why did you want to tell your secret? I just want to, if I can ha save another man or woman, I want, I want to be the poster child of what not to do. Like, I literally want to be like, oh, okay, like here, because like, I feel like people like Milos and, you know, others that are, you know, doing whatever they're doing, if it, you want know, to call them con artists, I don't know, or, or whatever, whatever, they have a game, they have a tactic, there's things that they use, there are warning signs, there are things to look out for. And I wrote it very like narrative. I didn't like, you know, talk about what happened to me in the given antidote. Like I wrote it like a thriller or whatever. So I wanted the readers to be able to read it and take what they need out of it. So I'm not telling you what to think, but you can see plain as day where I went wrong. <laughs> Thank you.
Brittany, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's great to know you. You too, Ben. I hope we get to meet someday in person. Me too. I have a feeling it's going to be a blast. Brittany Louise Taylor is a woman with several titles. YouTube star, abuse survivor, and author. But the title she's told me she's most proud to bear, Rex's mom. Brittany's whole saga is waiting for you in book form. It just dropped a few days ago. I read an advanced copy, and it is amazing. There is so much more about the vast wealth or lack thereof, Milosh's purported family, the abuse, the custody trial. It's a cover-to-cover trip you will probably binge like I did. It's called A Sucky Love Story, Overcoming Unhappily Ever After by Brittany Louise Taylor. Brittany's book is also on Audible. Secret Room listeners get a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash secretroom or text secretroom to 500-500. I'm just saying. I'm posting some pictures Brittany wanted me to share with you guys. You won't want to miss the one of Brittany and her son Rex. Their smiles will jump out of your phone and into your day. So much happiness. See them now on Instagram and Facebook, and later this week on Twitter. All our social media handles are Secret Room Pod. I'm putting a link to Brittany's favorite charity, Watoto, in the podcast notes on your player, too. Okay, you can clip the recording. Oh, wait, we're not done. Okay. Oh, okay, keep going the recording? Okay, sorry. Go. Okay, keep going. Sorry. You were going to join me in the credits, right? Oh, yeah. We do our things together. Okay, okay, let's do it. Thanks to Susie Lark and Bobby Joe Valdez for production assistance. Okay. Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you want to join me on the podcast, you can submit your secret at secretroompod.com. You're listening to The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. And I'm Brittany Louise Taylor. Okay, ready for the sign-off? Okay, we do that together, though, all right? Or you add it in later? Let's do it together. Okay. Pod on. Pod on. Uh, huh? Hi, I'm Brittany Louise Taylor, and I'm going to draw my life. This one girl in particular would try to spit her gum in my hair on the bus, and she stole my jacket, and the worst was when I was invited over to a sleepover only for the girls to pour nail polish on me when I was sleeping. I would literally come home from school every day and cry. And I remember my mom saying, Brittany, I don't understand why this keeps happening to you, but all I can think is that God is strengthening you for something big. That's from Draw My Life by Brittany Louise Taylor in 2013. Seems like mom was right. Be confident, be kind, be bold, and focus on what is good and right, not what's wrong. And when I say I love you guys, I mean it. Bye!